Welcome to the Factor 2.9 Podcast. This is where we learn, grow, and evolve together. As you said, a lot of politicians, they aren't in a position where they can really start integrating different perspectives the way we would like them to. All right, welcome to this episode about integrative complexity, which is a term used in social psychology. Yeah, that's true. Right. And uh, the gist of it is that you, first of all, accept the perspective that there are other perspectives to whatever concept that you're trying to understand. So you're accepting the complexity of reality and that your view is not perfect. And the second... Well, I'd just like to elaborate a little bit on that. You said that, uh, by all means, that it's about accepting that your own view isn't perfect, but I'd just like to phrase phrase it as um, it's about realizing that uh, there are conflicting views and the other views are very much legitimate as well, that there are flaws to all views when there aren't any absolute truths, which there aren't in very many fields. There are in mathematics, for instance, or physics, but in most of social sciences or life in general, most things aren't absolute. So just realizing that you might be wrong or might be partly wrong, that's what the first part is about. So please go ahead. Right, and... I agree with your addition to my uh, description of the first criteria for what makes integrative complexity. And so the second part of integrative complexity is to actually make these connections of any of the complex systems or uh, objects or the interdependencies of different variables in reality. So, so when you're trying to understand something, when you're trying to understand a complex system, such as the economy, then first of all, you have to make the first step of integrative complexity, which is accepting that there is really no absolute truth. There are so many perspectives of this and all you can do is update it to evolve it and that is a process you will never be finished and so the second part is actually making these connections so the first part is accepting that there are loads of different perspectives and then the second part is updating your own perspective from the information from other people that you interact with or the actual system itself so that would be that aspect of reality or any other information that you get about the system or object or variable that you're trying to understand yes i think that the word integrative uh, is to do with just that that you integrate different views and make them a new one it's a type of dialectic there there are a number of different perspectives and you merge them and finally end up with something entirely new which consists of different parts of the various perspectives and i'm not sure we said this at the start but what this is integrative complexity it is a trait it's something that characterizes people 
So different right. people are differently integrative, or that's <laughs> difficult, integratively complex on different levels. Yeah, right. And uh, there are factors which influence the level of integrative complexity that you have as a person. And one example, and first of all, I want to mention that integrative complex complexity is not a fixed trait either. So it is influenced by circumstances and situations and also by other factors. Well, if you're stressed out or just a number of situational factors that could be, and also over time, you could change as a person. Usually the science of psychology states that these kinds of traits are fairly stable over time. But if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, there's been some revisions in regards to this discussion about integrative complexity that people may actually evolve uh, from being fairly one-dimensional and just seeing one side of the story and wanting to be right or come to a conclusion very quickly, you could evolve and change so that you, as you mature, uh, learn how to take in other perspectives as well. Right. And I'd actually argue that any trait of any human being is the opposite of fixed. It changes constantly because both environmental factors and internal factors to the organism will influence any of these properties of the organism, such as a trait, such as integrative complexity. So the biological current, which is consciousness and its contents will influence the mind in ways which will influence the person's mindset to anything that it encounters, I think, at least. I would agree to some extent, or I would say that you are mainly right here. But I think, uh, as I've studied psychology very recently, I think I read some passages about this, that certain personality traits are stable over time. Uh, there are things about people that normally don't change as they grow older. It may change to some extent, but basically they tend to be the same uh, as regards some of their traits. I'm thinking about examples here, but I don't seem mm. to find one right now. Well, I, I agree that they are not changing fast some of the traits or properties of the mind uh, which is what social psychology uh, is regarding, in my understanding. Social psychology is mainly about uh, how people behave in social circumstances when there are other people around, in group group dynamics, or hmm. uh, I think you're talking about cognitive psychology then, rather. Right. I, I think I haven't discerned those two before in my mental representation of those two fields. So that's good. But I do believe that there are properties which are more fixed than other properties. So there are traits or attributes of the mind or the behavior of a person which is very fixed 
in relation to something which constantly changes with the environmental and internal factors that influence that behavior. Uh, would you agree with that? That there is uh, a spectrum on which these different traits lay? Yes, I would definitely agree on that. And also, as I said, I think that psychology is the view of this of the science of psychology in general is that traits some traits are generally quite stable that doesn't mean that they can't be changed of course some people change a lot over time and most people change in to some extent it's just that they are often fairly stable over time right and this is something that you can see if you look at the brain from an anatomical point of view as well. If you look at the brains of people who do psychedelic drugs, you can see that their default mode network uh, goes, it is not activated at all anymore, which it usually is. If you compare people on psychedelic drugs such as psilocybin mushrooms or uh, lasergic acid diethylamide, which is LSD, then you can see that these people on psychedelics are, they are not in the same state of consciousness, which, (coughs) which they are usually. So this change in being and how they perceive the world and how they behave in the world is something which can completely throw off the habits of any person and so that chemicals can interact in the brain in very complex ways and produce these sorts of psychological effects is something which uh, brings us down to earth in terms of how we have to always consider the uh, other fields of science when we uh, use sciences such as social psychology. We can't just isolate social psychology because uh, it depends on for example, the human organism, which depends on, for example, the brain and, for example, biochemistry and biochemicals such as uh, psilocin or serotonin, which are two very uh, similar chemicals which uh, have a large impact on our behaviors. Yes, that's very important to remember that we are very much uh, affected in our lives all the time about the biochemical states of our mind and a lot of these different uh, substances you mentioned a few and uh, a couple of those are entirely um, synthesized they are entirely synthetic that's what I tried to say I I, I wanted to to find that word but uh, we need to remember that quite a lot of the different chemicals that flow in our bloodstream and affect our behavior are endogenous as well. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so there are neurotransmitters and there are hormones and these 
affect our lives all the time. So yeah, just yeah. to point out this the, or to uh, emphasize the point you were making that depending on the situation and if we're stressed or if we're tired or whatever, it will have a huge impact on the way we react and behave. Right. So the state and the properties of the uh, organism of the human will influence the behavior of the organism and parts of the uh, states and properties of the organism is the currents which flow through our veins, which are full with uh, chemicals that influence our behavior very heavily. And without biochemicals, we wouldn't at all be alive. That is pretty certain. Yeah, important point to make. But should we talk a bit, a little bit more about the the um, topic uh, more closely to the topic integrative complexity? Sure. And what that implies: the fact that people are different in this respect. That some people uh, have a tendency to take on a multitude of perspectives and are also able to integrate them into one uh, one view, point of view that yeah. they use to guide them. Exactly, Where, from which they yes. make decisions. Yes, whereas other people don't. Uh, there are, of course, then a lot of people who aren't very good at this too and who have that tendency to jump to conclusions or want quick answers and aren't interested in discussion really, but just want to be right. Yeah. Was there a question or a statement? Well, I just wanted us to discuss this a little bit more because because this, of course, has implications for how we live our lives and how we interact and how people as individuals and also societies evolve and thrive or don't thrive. I just wondered if you had some reflection on that. Well, it has been noted that in general, you want more integrative complexity than rather than less. But of course, if you have complete integrative complexity uh, and just keep being open-minded all the time and see that there are so many perspectives and there are so many different more connections that you can make of how reality is existing and uh, interconnected with other parts of uh, other uh, aspects of reality, then you won't make any decisions. And so there has been uh, science showing that we need some level of emotion to actually make decisions because people who don't experience emotions, they can't settle for a decision because they just uh, contemplate what option is the best all the time and thereby having a bit of a more balanced approach which uh, <coughs> takes into consideration the uh, meta layer of this discussion which is how we actually learn grow and evolve how we actually get results in practice if you take that 
system of reality into consideration, then you can see that you make, you need to make decisions sometimes, and then you will compromise integrative complexity to an extent. But on the other hand, you want to constantly keep updating the basis of your decision through Bayesian uh, the principles of Bayesian statistics, you can um, update your mental representations through using that, uh, which is basically just updating constantly the probabilities which you predict uh, different variables to do different things in reality. Uh, and so finding a balance on when to and when not to uh, make decisions and when to and when not to uh, be completely open-minded and listen, just take in information and synthesize it and make these connections. I think finding a balance is very important. Yes. And that, what you described just now, the ability to reach these conclusions is then, in fact, the second level of integrative complexity, not just being able to differentiate between different perspectives, but also to be able to synthesize them and make them into something new. Um, and that, of course, then would be extremely important, because as you said, if all you can do is see other people's perspective, you might end up totally unable to make decisions or you you would lack that executive function which is necessary to move on yeah basically if you're completely optimizing for your score of integrative complexity you will end up with lower performance in reality that is what we are saying so having very much of integrative complexity is a good thing and most people would probably need more of it but it's not an it's not the only thing that you need and it's not the it shouldn't be the end goal at least not in my opinion that's true and it strikes me just as we're speaking that this is a matter of marginal cost as well which is a concept mainly in economics but it's true here as well that to a certain level it's good to uh, try and have different perspectives and to look at different options and to integrate them into one new system of view but you could overdo it and exaggerate at some point the cost of extra pondering or reasoning or taking in new perspectives will just make the results um, will just postpone the results or make them not as good as had you just made the decision right yeah. away and this is something which uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb uh, takes up in his book Antifragile, which is one of the best books I've ever read. And I think that you would agree with me, would you? Well, I think uh, there are some very good points he makes there. And it's a really good book. I'm not sure I'd say it's one of the best. Well, uh, one of the 10 or 20 best, perhaps. Okay, well, it is something which he brings up, which is the path dependency of a decision. Every decision has a true or false value, which could also have uh, more complex properties uh, as well. But every decision is either uh, path dependent or path independent. So every decision could either be in time 
dependent on a deadline. It could have to be made before or could have to be made at any time. Uh, so basically, does the option to make a decision uh, degrade over time? Do you lose the value of your option to make a decision or do you uh, gain maybe even uh, in terms of uh, risk reward probability uh, ratio value if you postpone your decision which could uh, often be the case because then you can gather more information uh, i have a principle personally which is to delay decisions as much as subjectively possible so i add to that principle subjectively so that i can uh, constantly as well uh, update uh, whether or not i think that this option uh, of making a decision is uh, getting devalued due to circumstances and uh, i think that it would be good if we uh, have an example of this do you have any example of what i'm talking about okay i could uh, bring up an example let me see so if uh, you have a book which uh, you uh, want to sell to me for uh, 100 euros for uh, some weird reason uh, then it could be the case that uh, this book I can buy from you for 100 euros and tomorrow there is a place or location at which I can sell this book and make a profit but after that day I can only sell the book to someone for 400 euros and that will mean that i have lost money uh, and so the the decision of buying this book will have to take into consideration if i will uh, buy it early enough in time so that i can go and sell it on this uh, market auction or the uh, yard sale so basically the the buying of the book by me is path dependent in terms of time so if i do not buy it early enough so if i wait a week and buy it then then i will only have the ability to sell it for 400 euros and so i will have lost 600 euros and that is of course a bad um, that's bad business basically and so i only have this option to make this decision uh, which is a good decision for uh, less than a day and that is path dependent decisions in a nutshell Yes, the outcome of your business transaction is path dependent on the point in time where you make your decision. Right. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. And uh, how this relates to integrative complexity is, of course, that if you are very 
open-minded and always want more information or more information before you make your decisions. If you're too open-minded and uh, completely uh, optimizing for integrative complexity, then you will have a hard time making the decisions in time. So making the decisions uh, that will benefit your uh, larger goal uh, rather than the goal of boosting integrative complexity is something which I think uh, will help you reach that larger goal. Yes, and another way of putting that just briefly is that instead of trying to be perfectly right, exactly correct when you make your decision, that is theoretically correct in your decision by weighing in all the different perspectives, it's better to take out just a little piece of precision from that decision-making process and instead be able to make the decision on time so you can uh, take the timing aspect into account as well. Right, so it's uh, updating the process of making good decisions for reaching the goal which is uh, set up by you uh, for the purpose of some higher purpose which you have also embraced as your purpose of uh, being living or uh, whatever you're trying to achieve you have a purpose for it but that is uh, that is meta 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 to the the process of making decisions which we were talking about and so instead of optimizing for integrative complexity you're trying to uh, take a broader view of the entire problem of optimizing for that purpose and that would mean that you would instead of uh, trying to boost integrative complexity, boost the process of making good decisions and that requires taking into consideration the path dependence of decisions. That's true. And then I think another aspect of uh, integrative complexity is just being aware of it and seeing it around you and it's When you know about it and you think about it, it's not that complex uh, concept. And it's one of the reasons that public debates often go wrong or become extremely uninteresting or you just feel bad when you listen to them because some people want to get things right and want to discuss problems to reach a real solution, whereas some other people just want to be right or make their point or want to be heard. Um, and we see that a lot and we read articles in the newspapers or everywhere around us that are very much colored by this way of reasoning or debating. Right. And it would be very easy to you yourself become mad at this uh, simplifying of Uh, aspects of reality that these politicians make in order to gain uh, voters and followers Uh, but instead try to adopt a more uh, integratively complex view of uh, the topic which would be to uh, accept that there are other uh, ways of viewing their actions if you look at it from this Uh, socially psychology way of uh, looking at it then you can see that or if you look at it with uh, social psychology in mind and the biochemical uh, aspects of being a human in mind you can see that these people make their 
decisions and act like they do and behave like they do due to internal and external factors that they have been exposed to. So most of what they have or haven't done is due to factors which are out of their control. And if they do not take full responsibility, then that is something which is due to their uh, history of not taking full responsibility probably they've not come into the habit of taking extreme ownership of their actions and this is something which integrative complexity also is influenced by the biochemical uh, currents of habits that go through us people and some factors which uh, will influence uh, th- these politicians are, for example, lack of time, which uh, can increase stress, which is uh, in popular science at least uh, related to cortisol increases, which I think is um, uh, more scientifically uh, accurate as well, but also amygdala activation in the brain, uh, which is not as scientifically uh, accepted of a of a theory. Well, it's kind of a simplification, really, because there's so much more than the amygdala yeah. at play. Exactly, but cortisol is is uh, very much accepted as a stress hormone, and lack of time can be a factor which influences uh, the stress levels, which uh, take different biochemical and brain anatomical and socially psychologically <laughs> ways of uh, they take different forms they are polymorphic and so lack of time for example can influence these politicians and these politicians they probably want a better world for everyone deep inside of them as well and even if you do have an instinct to react to their um, instincts of simplifying things for their uh, own gaining of voters. Try to uh, be more conscious of your instincts instead and see that they are only influenced by their history and their past choices and their uh, biochemistry and their genes and their environments as well. Uh, It's very hard for a politician right now, if they are in this uh, situation in which they are, to just change completely and uh, say that, no, this uh, thing that I have been running with uh, as my proposal for a lot change, that is completely incorrect. And I've now changed my mind, even though that may be uh, a way of uh, ruling a mind, uh, which would uh, lead to better development and uh, evolution of that mind. That is not a mind which will uh, lead to uh, a person which is perceived as certain and uh, creating order in the chaos, which is what uh, many people want in their politicians. And so many of these politicians are not uh, 
able to change or they are able to, but it would have very dire consequences and it is much harder for them than you might instinctively uh, consider. So for you to consider that is something which uh, I'd advise you to do. Yes, I agree. But uh, the picture you painted there, it gives quite a dark outlook on the world because, as you said, a lot of politicians, they aren't in a position where they can really start integrating different perspectives the way we would like them to, but instead they want to be uh, seen as very strong leaders and decision makers. So this then would probably be the reason why we have long going conflicts in the world that haven't been resolved say for example the israel-palestine conflict which hasn't been resolved for some 70 or 80 years and um, i don't see how that's ever going to happen when the people or i should say a lot of the people who elect the leaders want them to be strong and show that they can stand up for their people rather than making um reaching agreements and negotiating which would be a better skill um, in order to to really reach long-going results that could help the people in the long run yeah i agree because i think that most people actually have uh, the same the same uh, the same purpose in life and the same the same uh, view of good and bad uh, some people of course don't but most people would probably want a better world for themselves and would probably want a better world for others if they had the option to uh, click on or off on those two uh, if if they could boost the uh, love in the world and reduce the suffering they'd probably do it most of the people and so i think that it's a matter of method which uh, people argue about and uh, i think that the method could be uh, better if we as uh, individuals stop voting for people who uh, are very very certain in their opinions and can't change and really as a society try to change the environment of politics and uh, ruling our societies so that our societies as uh, wholes, <laughs> our whole societies could change for the better through uh, the ind- individual being more integratively complex. So I think we've covered a lot of the aspects uh, around this concept, integrative complexity. Is there something you'd like to add? Nope, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, I'm grateful for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, actually. And uh, I hope and I really think we've been able to bring some uh, insight to our listeners on this topic. It's a really interesting concept, I think. Yeah, and uh, as you really read a lot more about concepts such as this, you can see that they are not they are not isolated concepts instead they interact with other perspectives and ways of looking at reality and they also uh, 
So, for example, integrative complexity is both a social psychology concept and an actual trait of uh, the person, which uh, that social psychology concept is trying to describe. And so you can see that both these concepts and the uh, variables and objects in reality, both of those will, both of those are interconnected with loads of other variables and objects and properties and systems and complex systems and so on. And it's really all interconnected. Well said, David. And I'd just like to wrap this episode up with a book tip. As I mentioned, the Mm -hmm. Israel-Palestine conflict, I came to think of a book I read a few years back, which is written by Amos Oz, uh, who is a Nobel laureate, Nobel Prize winner for literature some 10 or 15 years ago. He wrote a short book. It's really short and you read it in a few hours. It's called How to Cure a Fanatic. And it deals with the questions we've been discussing here today. So So it's uh, in regards to that uh, crisis. (laughs) It's in regards to that crisis and how to, even though you ethnically belong to one of the fighting sides, there are ways to move ahead and really be able to see things and the problems that your uh, enemy sees and take the other part's perspective. And uh, I think it's a really good book in that sense. So it's a a source of uh, thinking about this more and thereby finding ways of uh, practically applying uh, ways of boosting integrative complexity. Yes, that's exactly right. And Amos Oz then, of course, he is a Jew himself, so uh, he knows what he's talking about, about this conflict and taking a more integrative view on the problem. Yeah, I'm sure that boosts his uh, relative odds of uh, knowing uh, about this conflict relative to the average person, but... Uh, it's it's a simplistic uh, simplistic uh, conclusion, I think. There, that just because he's a v- uh, Jew, he would know about uh, the interdependencies of that crisis. Well, he is from Israel as well, and has grown up in that culture. Yeah. Well, then you boost odds even more, and if you read the book, then you'll probably <laughs> completely believe it. Yes, uh, I yeah. believed it, and I think you will too if you if you just yeah, yeah. read it. I was just uh, picking on your argument. Really. Yes, I realized that. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening, and thank you, Magnus. Thank you, David. Uh, it's been a good episode. I think. Hope we'll talk to you again soon. And if I'm not mistaken, we're going toward Christmas here. Aren't Yes. So we'll just go ahead and wish all of you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hey, just a quick reminder that we have just launched our website and uh, you can now find our 
episodes that you are the most interested in by looking in our categories or even searching for keywords. All of our episodes are on the website and you can also sign up for new updates on the podcast as well through our newsletter in the footer of the website. You can also contact us very easily through a form on the website. But uh, the website's mainly for your ease of finding the right episode for you. So being able to search through categories or keywords is the main function that I think will help most people right now. So check it out, factor2point9.com.